Rock, the musical, lands in Newcastle July 18th. Get ready to stick it to the man with the ultimate musical thrill ride based on the legendary film and with a rockin' new score from Andrew Lloyd Webber. School of Rock, the musical. Book now. Live at the Civic Theatre, Newcastle, 18th to the 20th of July. He's handsome and smart. A true blue Jets and Knights fan. A part of Australia's Hollywood royalty. From General Hospital to Occupation Rainfall, NCIS LA to All Saints. Newcastle Live Radio's very own Nova Castrian in Hollywood. It's time to cross to LA to catch up with Zach Garrod. And it may be Halloween over here, but it's Halloween Eve in uh, in the US. Good morning, Zach Garrett. You're ready to go trick or treating? Good evening, Tracy. Yes, it's All Hallows Eve. Eve. I don't know if that's a thing, but uh, we're making it so. And, we're making it yes, so. The, yes, exactly. The, the, the treats will definitely be flowing. That's for sure. <laughs> How's it been over there? I mean, obviously, uh, it is one of the biggest holidays uh, over in the US. And, uh, I mean, I know what it's been like over here. It's been going since at least uh, at least last Monday. We've been gearing up for uh, for Halloween. There's uh, all sorts of yeah. fun events that have been on over the weekend. And, of course, it's, it happens yeah. today. How's it been over there? Yeah. Oh, look, it's been wonderful this year. It's been so much fun. The, the West Hollywood Halloween Parade happens uh, tomorrow, which is always a big, big deal. That's a huge, huge event creativity and fun and, and joy just everywhere so it's a, it's a really good experience uh the decorations have been incredible as they always are because the americans don't really do things modestly no, you know no. everything has to be everything has to be huge and it is brilliant because um it's the creativity of halloween that i always find so in, so enthralling you know like people get really into it and they make wonderful costumes and wonderful decorations so it's been it's been a real thrill this year you can really sense like a a relief that everyone can really dive in and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it'd be the first one, uh, you know, the real one without uh, without any COVID restrictions, without any concerns at all. It uh, it yeah. must just be so such a relief over there. Oh, it is. You can sense it in the people. Like everybody is is just so chuffed to be out. I mean, we went to a, a, a party last night down on uh, Wilshire with a few friends, and it was a lot of fun. It was a real lot of fun. And, yeah, I think it's just it's the combination of, of being on the, oh, on the outside of COVID. COVID is still very much with us. Mm. But through that through that time where, you know, vaccinations were, in, were beginning to pick up and life was beginning to get back to normal, but also people having money in their pocket and getting back to work and being able to afford these things once again. Mm. So, that you know, with more steady work and more reliable incomes across the board it's now meant that people can go out and really get stuck into it because you know halloween 2020 and 2020 2020 in particular was the beginning of the mm. spike of the, the hideous experience in los angeles uh 2021 was you know it was like sort of dipping the toe back in and, mm. and this year everyone's just plunging let's just go let's do it <laughs> now uh yeah. i understand ali won best cozy um at the the party you went to what'd she go as she did. She, she went. She, uh, she won funniest costume. She went as um, Jim Carrey's character, The Mask, from the nineteen ninety three movie, The Mask, and Love it. had everything on it. It was great. She, our friend does the wardrobe on The Voice um, over here, so Ali secured some yellow clothing from that and painted her face green and had the hat. And I went as as her landlord, uh, oh. the, the landlord, the landlord from the show, Mrs. Piedman. Oh. So uh, I chucked on my my shower cap and my yeah. dressing gown and my nighty slip, and it was very. Nice. Yes, I, I know that you did. Uh, you commented about what's underneath the nighty. Um, is, is everything okay underneath the nighty? There's no frostbite, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> 
I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't be so rude. <laughs> everything is everything is exactly where it should be. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Now, uh, I thought before we got into the serious stuff today, we might do a little bit of a yeah. uh, share some scary LA stories with me. Some uh, some haunted LA. I know there's some there's some houses that have have been you know the subject of murders and have never been cleaned or used since that time. But you've got some great yeah. uh, some great hauntings over in LA, haven't you? There's a lot of there's a lot of folklore around you know some of the things that happen here because there's a lot of obviously th- th- there's a lot of dark stories in Los Angeles' history some quite quite tragic stories and like the Black Dahlia and stuff like that you know unsolved murders and and people getting caught up with the stars in their eyes and then tra- tragically becoming a um, a victim in some capacity of of the the ruthlessness of this industry but also the, the desire for success a great example is of course the Hollywood sign where an actress jumped off the H in uh, in the 1930s, I believe she uh, she committed suicide off the H. So they say that her ghost is still up there. In, yeah, around the Hollywood sign, it's the 100th anniversary of the Hollywood sign next year. So um, yeah, th- th- that, that's that's always it's always a very very dark story uh, associated with the Hollywood sign. Another one is there's a place called the Mansion, which is a recording studio up in Laurel Canyon. Now, Laurel Canyon. Obviously, had the, the the unscrupulous uh, uh, tie, well, the, the, the tragically unscrupulous tie with the, the Manson murders, and mm. of course, even later on, the Wonderland murders and things like that back in the sixties and eighties. Um, but there's a there's a place up there called the Mansion Recording Studios, and it's on Laurel Canyon Boulevard. So it's right in Laurel Canyon, two four eight five Laurel Canyon Boulevard. Now, this is a recording studio that Rick Rubin, who is a, an incredible engineer and, and producer, music producer, who I love. Um, I think he owned it, but he was definitely based there for a long time. And he produced things like Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the mm. Red Hot Chili Peppers, oh. Stadium Arcadian by the Chili Peppers, the Mars Volta was there, Slipknot, Linkin Park, Audio Slave, you know, all these incredible bands from the 90s and 2000s of like the grunge rock movement. Now, Slipknot were recording albums there, uh, I think it was in the late 90s, early 2000s, and they said around 4 o'clock in the morning, every single morning without without fault, the guitar, lead guitarist Slipknot said his door would open without any assistance whatsoever, but always at four o'clock on the button, his bedroom door would always open. <laughs> the drummer of Slipknot took a photo in the recording studio of a couple of orbs dancing around uh, dancing around their, their drum kit. Um, and the Chili Peppers said they actually, uh, they stopped recording, uh, they stopped, rec- uh, sorry, Chad Smith, the drummer from the Chili Peppers, did not want to live in the house while they were recording Blood Sugar Sex Magic there because of how strange some of the occurrences were, things disappearing, noises occurring, things getting pushed over. It was very, very strange. It was a very, it was a very strange thing. Wow. So apparently it goes back to the son of a furniture store owner who pushed his lover from the balcony of this mansion in 1918. Now, like a lot of these old mansions in and around Laurel Canyon and that, they go back, you know, to the, the dawn of the Hollywood age. But they're great for, you know, sound stages mm. and recording studios because they're big and they're spacious and there's a lot of room for it. So when they get converted into these things... Uh, the stories come with them. So the, the Haunted Mansion recording studio, as it's sort of colloquially known, is just up on Laurel Canyon Boulevard and still has a very uneasy air to it. Rick Rubin tells a lot of stories about the ghosts and the presence of uh, of some mm. supernatural beings in and around these incredible albums while they're recording them. <laughs> That's rather spooky. I don't think I could deal with that. Mm. Yeah, no. it's, it's a good one. But, I mean, that, that, one, that one's sort of like, that one's sort of, Interesting. Mm. The, the one in Los Feliz that you were referencing, that, that's quite 
tragic but also very dark. There's a, a doctor owned this mansion in the 1950s, I think it was. No, sorry, the 1950s. Yes, it was 1950s. Um, and one night he killed his family before taking his own life. Now, after these murders occurred, someone had inherited the house and they left it as it was in the mm-hmm. 1950s, early 1960s. It was cleaned up, of course, and there was rumours that were bloodstains in the car, but that kind of stuff, but that's, that's not accurate. What made it really creepy was that the, the house basically stood there just destitute for a, for a very long period of time, and it was like a, it became like a time capsule. There were Christmas presents still under the Christmas tree. Uh, there were still tins of food in the kitchen. It was like looking into a living museum in Los Feliz, and the house just sort of essentially stood there unoccupied, almost abandoned, for oh, goodness gracious, for the better part of only 60 years. Mm. So it's a very creepy, very uneasy experience when you see this place. It's a big sort of Hacienda-style house, and you look straight into the lounge room where, where these murders uh, took place. And that's where you could, uh, up until about 20 years ago, could still see the Christmas tree with the Christmas presents underneath it from that night in the 1950s. Oh, that's a bit creepy. Now, one yeah, that uh, very creepy. One that uh, that I uh, I've been to the Comedy Store, which is uh, on Sunset Boulevard. I've seen some great stuff there. Now, it was originally built, uh, you know, in in the it was in the forties and the fifties, and it was a, a mob hangout. And it's uh, yeah. it's said to be haunted by uh, by several hitmen, but also women wow. who performed illegal abortions in the downstairs lounge. Like really, really? yeah. I, I mean, you and I have both Ooh. been to the Comedy Store, and and it's. Uh, yeah. It's pretty, you know. It's a pretty fun night out. Um, I had yeah. no idea that uh, that it was also haunted. Oh, I didn't know that about the abortions. I, I, there's a lot of stories about uh, theaters having a ghost mm. associated with them. It's very, very common for a theater anywhere to have a ghost present in, in its space, uh, particularly in parts of London. You know, a lot of the West End theaters are haunted, supposedly. Out here, there's like I said, it has that sort of tragic Hollywood dream undercurrent mm. to it. Now, there's a, the Stella Adler Theater just down on the corner of Hollywood and Island in that stunning building um, opposite the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, so right at the cusp of the Hollywood Island section of, of Hollywood Boulevard. Um, has speakeasy doors at the back, these little doors mm-hmm. that you can sneak through, because just like you're referring to there, that was the mob hangouts in the 20s and 30s when they were bootlegging the, the, the grog into, into Los Angeles and into Hollywood. So there's still ghosts there, apparently, floating through the hallways and opening doors and closing windows and shifting curtains. So, yeah, it's very common for places like the Comedy Store and other things like that to, um, yeah, to have their, their resident ghosts, you know, and jokes also who perhaps died on <laughs> on delivery. On delivery, yes, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And uh, Dodger Stadium is another one that's, uh, that's haunted. Ooh. Now, uh, I'm not quite sure if it's haunted by the ghosts of, uh, you know, the players or the supporters who actually supported the Dodgers. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, most most places uh, of old in in LA, you know, the Cecil Hotel, the Roosevelt Hotel, they've all got oh, some yeah. some kind of a ghost yeah. story to them, haven't they? Yeah. The Cecil Hotel, the Roosevelt, supposedly oh. Marilyn Monroe's ghost. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, the Roosevelt's beautiful when you see it. Um, supposedly Marilyn Monroe's ghost haunts the mirrors there. She floats in and around the mirrors. Uh, supposedly, 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 yeah. Um, you, you haven't yeah, seen her. And, I have not seen her, okay. no, but, but I did. I haven't seen Marilyn's ghost, but I did go to Hollywood Forever Cemetery uh, very early on in my time. Here to go and I was doing research for something. I went down there to find someone's ashes, actually the manager of Les Darcy, who's interred over here. Mm. Um, so I, I actually went through the halls of the interred ashes there, and, of course, there's people buried there, like Mel Blank, one of the Ramones is there. You know, there's a lot of Hollywood yeah. icons in there. Mickey, Mickey Rooney is there at, at Hollywood Forever, and... 
going through these these sort of mausoleum halls was very very eerie but quite captivating it wasn't scary it was eerie however the Cecil in downtown Los Angeles and we were far from that on the 4th of July this year is it's, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't set foot in there if you paid me. You know, everybody knows the story about the woman who got who died in the uh, in the water tank and the famous footage of her in the elevator, which is incredibly creepy. But it's got a very sad history to it as well because it's not far from Skid Row, and it was usually like a last chance saloon for a lot of people trying to turn their addiction lives around. So there's a lot of sadness in those hallways that. I think has been captured in the walls of the place, it feels. But yeah, the Cecil is a very foreboding, very eerie-looking building. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. Okay, I, I think we might leave yeah. our, our horror stories there. <laughs> what, what do you reckon? No, yeah, well, I, think, I think we've covered it. Yeah, it, it's, been, uh, it's been a very, very busy weekend over there, I suppose. Uh, it started with uh, the new head twit. Um, taking uh, yeah. the kitchen sink into uh, into Twitter headquarters. <laughs> oh, really? He's, he's really lost the plot, hasn't he, again? Mister uh, Mister Elon he's Musk? He's so desperate to be. He's so desperate to be funny. Mm. There's a lot of people out there who says, you know, no matter what he does, no matter what he buys, no matter what he may invent or purport to invent, uh, he will never be what he really wants to be, and mm. that is funny. Mm. So he's trying so hard to do that. Now, the, the big issue here, taking away from anything that people may feel about him, the big issue here is he's absolutist free speech stance. Mm. He believes in absolute free speech. And frankly, he's the most tedious boring human being for me he doesn't really stand for anything he just wants he just wants to stand back and just watch everybody kind of tear themselves apart more or less mm. um he wants the, the controversy of donald trump he reactivated kanye west's account um on twitter as soon as he took over this is within a week of kanye west tweeting that hideous disgraceful um uh uh a message about about the Jewish community here, so he's happy to reactivate, reimburse, like sorry, um, reactivate these people's accounts. It's just disgraceful. The problem is, after this went to air, well, after he took over, there was a surge of accounts. Now Twitter claims it was mostly bots using the N word. Now LeBron James t- took absolute, very serious exception to this and um, came out. Very forth, uh, very strongly, and said, "I don't know Elon Musk, but if this is the future under Twitter, then this is disgraceful." Mm. Now, there's been a lot of, and, and it's a real concern. It's a real, real concern of how far he thinks people sh- should be allowed to push that term "free speech." Now, there's been a lot of analysis about this, and people really can't see anything happening other than Elon Musk really losing a lot out of this. Because if he stands up and says, "I'm not going to put up with racism," "I'm not going to put up with election misinformation," "I'm not going to put up lies." then he's going to lose a big part of his community, mm. which is the loudest and the biggest the, the biggest supporter group that he has. Most people associated with uh, misinformation. On that point, he leans into that today. Now, Paul Pelosi mm. was beaten with a hammer this week. The Speaker of the House's husband was at home in San Francisco, and he was beaten with a hammer. The assailant was found with zip ties, on his, in his possession when they um, when the police arrived, and he was walking around the house shouting, where's Nancy? So this was an attempted political assassination mm. for the second time in two years on the Speaker of the House. The assailant, uh, whose, whose name we won't say on air, uh, is, well, the alleged assailant is still facing, uh, sorry, is facing these very serious charges of attempted murder. Now, he was driven by hard-right uh, ideologies, generally based in misinformation and conspiracy theories around January 6th, the election, and, of course, COVID-19. The assailant shared these on his Facebook page. So that was present in the public domain. 
and a lot of the quotes that that they were sh- that this, that the uh, alleged assailant was was sharing uh, came from people like Marge Telegram, Donald Trump, Lauren Boebert, Alex Jones, uh, a lot of QAnon conspiracy theory stuff. Today, Elon Musk shared an article from something called the Santa Monica Chronicle, I believe it's called. Mm. Now, this is a newspaper that in 2016 published an article saying that Hillary Clinton had died and had been replaced by a lookalike. Swear to God, no word of a lie. That's what they published as news. They published an article saying that Paul Pelosi was actually found in his underwear with the the alleged assailant. They both had hammers, and the accusation is that Paul Pelosi is actually gay, and he went to a gay bar and picked up this gentleman. They knew each other beforehand. They went home, and they've had a lover's tiff that has resulted in this. So beyond the fact that it's obviously really homophobic to push this kind of agenda... Mm -hmm. um, it's also completely wrong. Now, Elon Musk tweeted Hillary Clinton with that article, saying that this is this. There's more to the story than what you're saying. There's not. The police have clarified things. This person invaded the Pelosi's home to kill Nancy Pelosi or attack Nancy Pelosi, we should say, um, and in the process attacked her husband and beat him with a hammer. Now, Elon Musk has since deleted this mm-hmm. tweet with the misleading information, but the problem is. In his discourse today on Twitter, someone, uh, I think it was Tom Cotton or Tom Fetton, one of the conservative commentators, said there's a problem with the, with election censorship on Twitter. Basically, if people come out and say oh, the elections are being rigged, Twitter says, no, they're not. That's absurd. We've been down this road before. And it's, and it's censored for obvious reasons. Yeah. Elon Musk said, oh, OK, we're going to put a stop to that. We're no. going to make sure that both sides are represented. No. And this is the issue. It's no. the false equivalency between someone saying the elections are rigged and then the actual people and professionals in the institution saying, no, they're not. And Elon Musk sees them as the same. He sees that as the, that season as the same thing. It is, uh, as you said, you know, he deleted the tweet in the afternoon, but uh, it had 28,000 retweets and 100,000 likes. It doesn't matter what he did. He kept that theory going. Yes. Yeah, and they're trying to peddle it. Now, that theory essentially started as, uh, well, it's total misinformation. It's a total lie. But it was started by the QAnon base to try to uh, disassociate any of the any of the, the hard right um uh, commentators who may have influenced this this individual. Now, there was someone on Fox News who tried to dismiss this and say that people get attacked by hammers every day. Oh, my God. <laughs> they, tried to, they tried to say, it's not a big deal. People get attacked by hammers every day. You know, <sighs> if anything, this is a sign of how badly run these cities are nowadays and how dangerous it is for people. They're totally missing the point. But then again, this is what they do. They want to try to veer the statements and veer the arguments away from their very culpable comments and their absolute abject culpability and try to make it about something that it is completely not about. There's been some uh, some disgusting attacks on uh, on Paul Pelosi after this. You know, there's uh, yeah. there's been some disgusting tweet you know tweets that have come out of the uh, the GOP guys, and uh, it is just disgraceful. And if this is how we're going, I mean, midterms happen tomorrow. Is it? Is it tomorrow or next no, week? No, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. And to yep. uh, you know to to be having this out there at the moment, and you know. Pence, the first thing that uh, that Pence did was was actually say, you know, we send all of our, our sympathies to, to the family. We send our, our love and our thoughts to to Nancy and, and to her husband. And we've got other GOPs saying, yeah, this is great, fantastic. Really? It, we're, we're at a point now where we cheer when somebody 
is the victim of a home invasion and they're attacked with a hammer, we'd cheer that now? That's exactly right. Yeah, see, that, that's the thing. And Marjorie Taylor Greene tried to make it about her. She oh tried to say, God. oh, political violence is, is not right. But I've been swatted, which is when people call the SWAT team in someone's house four times this year. I've had death threats, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, they will not take responsibility for their comments that have fueled this. And that's exactly what happened. January 6th was the mm. personification of it in many, many ways. Now, this gentleman is the personification of it likewise. Now, the, and I think we've discussed this before. There was never ever going to be a civil war, as it were, like some people were advocating, like Denise D'Souza and um, D'Souza and other people like that. That's not going to happen. What will happen is what's called stochastic terrorism, where you have these people step, step back, they say their things, they say everything to try to inflame the situation, and then when something happens, they try to disassociate themselves from it completely. Now, Donald Trump is, of course, an expert in that, and this is what they're doing. Ron DeSantis does it, and Greg Abbott does it. That they do it to certain degrees. But the problem is, someone is going to get really badly hurt at some mm. stage. The fact that the Speaker of the House has had her life threatened twice in two years is absolutely astounding. Absolutely astounding. And it wasn't by any sort of foreign assailant. This was by somebody in the United States driven by conspiracy theories. Now, we've seen it before during the, the, the height of the QAnon phase, which is like 2019 onwards. Um, this is This is getting into violent territory now i don't the, the thing is if the democrats do well in the midterms and they retain the white house in 2024 and trump runs and tears the republican establishment apart it's just going to get more vociferous that's prob that's the concern that people have um and there just doesn't seem to be any sort of desire from the gop and their leaders apart from mitch mcconnell mitch mcconnell has been forward about it and also uh as you said, Mike Pence, but I don't think Kevin McCarthy came out that quickly to criticise it. Um, and Donald Trump has not. As of far as I know, as of now, he still has not said a single thing about this. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very, very troubling. Now, the other interesting thing is that uh, Kanye's account has been reinstated. Yeah. Mm. To give you some context here, Twitter were happy to, to reinstate his account. But uh, goodwill, the goodwill stores of America are refusing to even take his shoes. Mm. <laughs> so goodwill is saying, we don't want any Kanye product going out to us. We're going to throw everything out. Thank mm. you very much. We're good. <laughs> so, Everybody's Twitter, burning them. Yeah, it, it's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre, Trace. Now, last week when we talked, things had just really kicked off for him. But as mm. of now, Adidas have dropped him. A huge production company in, uh, <clears throat> in Los Angeles has dropped him and his projects. Uh, his stadium tour has been put on hold. I had no idea, but he has a school here yes. called the Donder Academy. I had no idea that's had its doors shut until the end of the year. So the estimate is he's lost nearly a billion dollars worth of revenue. Um, he went to Sketches this week to try to get Sketches to sell his shoes, and they <laughs> said, no, on your bike, Spike, you're out. So all these organisations, all these places, everything that has anything to do with him, CAA dropped him, the biggest agency in the world, they dropped him as a client. So these are huge, huge things. But Twitter, Elon Musk, still thinks that, sure, he deserves an outlet to say whatever he needs to say. And it's uh, it's very strange to have that sort of, to have that conviction. Yeah, very much so, very much so. Well, listen, uh, what have you got planned for uh, for tomorrow? Are you going to go trick-or-treating? No, it's going to be a quiet, it's sort of a quiet day tomorrow. We had our fun night out last night, but I do have a very cool Ted Lasso outfit to wear. So awesome. I'll, be, I'll be dressed up in my Ted Lasso gear. Right, and, and, and what, uh, are you yeah. going, what are you going to do? If you're not going trick-or-treating, what are you going to do with your Ted Lasso? Are you going to go to the oh, gym with it well, or, you know? 
got to go to the gym with it. Yes, that's, that's the first thing. And also, yeah, we're going to try. We're going to go for a bit of a drive and a walk around and just sort of t- just absorb the occasion. Yeah. Oh, sounds fantastic. Well, you have a wonderful yeah. one. Stay safe over there, and uh, no doubt next week we will be talking about the uh, the midterms because uh, it is really heating up over there, and uh, yeah. we will be a couple of days away. And uh, yeah, the only country on earth who does Tuesday elections. No, no, it's it's odd. Even Brazil, mm. <laughs> they do their presidential elections on a Sunday. It's, so, yeah, man, it's, very, it's very bizarre. Odd. <laughs> it really is. You stay safe over there and we'll chat next week. That's it, Tracy. Thanks, Thanks mate. mate. Bye. Bye. That is Zach Garrod who uh, joins us on uh, Halloween Eve over there in the US. And it really is crazy over there at the moment, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> Just enjoy being over here. Newcastle in the morning takes you through the big events and the most talked about stories of the day that matter to you and your life. From what's on to what matters, Tracy Mack takes you beyond the headlines. What it is, why it matters and how it impacts your daily life. Tracy Mack brings you Newcastle in the morning, weekdays from 9 on Newcastle Live.